Hello everybody, good morning, so lost track. Um, so it's week two of our hospitality topic. Um, we weren't here last week, um, unfortunately, but fortunately it was for a very good reason. We were um, being very blessed and encouraged and having a fantastic time at our last weekend of the, of the lead course, which has been such an amazing time of teaching and encouragement and um, reflection and challenge so um, it was really good reason that we weren't here but um, on the way home we did listen to the recording of, of last week's um, discussion and, and so I kind of had some context of, of what's been covered and um, Jonathan you were my inspiration so, <laughs> and one of the things that Jonathan said right at the beginning of um of the discussion on the recording was that um hospitality is about it comes with the word hospital which is about meeting needs. So who said that? Jitte said it. I didn't hear Jitte say it. So just shared glory. Well done, everyone. Um, but it was very thought-provoking for me, and I kind of started then um, making some notes sort of on the way home from the conference, and there's some things that um, God has kind of taught me while I was away that sort of mer- have kind of merged in, and I just feel like God's got some stuff for us to encourage us all that's really been a bit of an amalgamation of things that a lot of people have been teaching me recently, um, so thank you for that. Um, so that's really the angle that we're going to come at hospitality from today, is that it's about meeting a need, um, it's not about just doing something nice um, for the sake of doing something nice, but actually all of us need human love and connection as humans. Um, It's not something that is like an additional extra to our happiness. It's an internal need. So the way God created us to be. um, Could somebody turn to Genesis 2.18? It's just quite a short verse, but if somebody wouldn't mind reading it out, that would be brilliant. Genesis 2.18. Genesis 2.18. I'll run the mic over, whoever wants to read it. Um, if you wanted to read it and Adam got there too quick, the next one we're going to be looking at is Psalm 68.6, if you want to get your thumbs in that. Psalm 68.6. Yeah. Psalm 68.6. But first, Genesis 2.18, please. Genesis 2.18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Thank you, yeah. God created us and said it's not good for us to be on our own. Um, he didn't say... Mm, It'd be a nice like, extra little thing about being a human if there was another human. It's actually a basic, fundamental need for us to have each other. And um, this is God's uh, nature as well. He exists in relationship. He exists in the Trinity. Um, I spoke on the Trinity a few months ago as well and talked about how that relationship is something that we're kind of called to, to copy and to emulate. Um, and we're made in God's image. Therefore, we're made as relational beings. Um, so we need each other I had some training this week uh, at work um, and it was all about something called acute child, um, adverse childhood experiences so this is uh, starts off a little bit uh, down in the dumps but it gets a happier story Okay, so we had this training and um, the, the people I work with unfortunately more often than not have suffered several what they call adverse childhood experiences be bereavements, it could be trauma, it could be abuse, any of these things that happen in a young child's life. Um, and I was learning about it as in a professional point of view, about how to kind of support people that have gone through these things at a young age. Um, and the trainer was very good, but there was a, a lovely um, uplifting slide about how 
Many times more likely things were happening were to happen to people who had had these adverse experiences. Um, 17 times more likely to go to prison and 11 times more likely to um, abuse drugs or alcohol and so many times more likely to have an unplanned teenage pregnancy. And it was we were all sitting there like, this is really great. I'm feeling wonderful right now. And we're just kind of hit with all these really emotive statistics about how bad things affect people. Um, and then she says, okay... <laughs> There's a, there's a kind of a solution. So the worldly wisdom, the, the, it was good. It's good advice. But the training was all about how actually it only takes one person to be a supportive um, influence in a young person's life to change their story. So without any intervention, they're 17 times more likely to do this and 12 times more likely to end up here and there. And, but it just takes one person to change that story. Um, it just takes, obviously the more the better, but if there's a teacher that can see that person's worth and can support them through the difficult times that they've been going through, it changes that statistic in a worldly point of view. Um, that's good. That's good wisdom. It was helpful. It's, it's true. No, I'm not arguing with it, but actually the only true source of rescue and hope is Jesus. Um, so the worldly wisdom is we need each other. True. But actually we need Jesus. And we know Jesus through each other. And so we experience him best in this community uh, that we call church family through these things of hospitality. Um, Anyone got Psalm 68 there ready? Thank you, Sarah. Psalm 68, verse 6. God gives lovely people family. God gives prisoners, sets prisoners free, and they go out singing. But those who refuse to obey Him will live in live in a land that is baked by the sun. Thank you. Could you repeat the first part again for me? Um, sure. God gives lonely people a family. Perfect. Thank you. Um, I've heard a lot of people kind of quote this verse to me, God sets the lonely in families, God gives the lonely people a family. I've heard people say this who have um, uh, maybe lost a spouse, uh, younger people who are away from their families, missing their families, God puts, puts me in a family. Um, and I think we are in danger of sometimes going, yeah, we're family, and it's like a kind of a trite nice idea where we say oh, I've got my family here and we kind of we kind of trivialise it a bit maybe um, we, we just make it a warm fuzzy feeling that we sort of say to each other oh you're my brother in Christ or my sister in Christ and that's true we should be saying those things but do we really believe it and do we really relate to one another like the family that God's given us um, they're not empty words this isn't a thing that's kind of a nice idea to help us feel good a good bit of advice that we might get some training at work and this is who we are it's our identity in Christ it's our inheritance in Christ to be inducted into his family to be brothers and sisters together with Christ to be sons and daughters of God a family is literally who we become um, when we receive the gift of salvation we need each other. God doesn't, doesn't, God doesn't save us for ourselves. Um, he saves us for community. He puts us in family. He, he, he loves the church. It's the representation of him, um, the church and 
sorry. So Jesus and the church is like the bride of Christ. He loves this passionate love for the church. And we need each other. Um, we don't just need each other if we're at certain stages of life either. It's not something that, um, okay, well, this person might live with a husband or a wife. Um, this person might live with parents who don't know Jesus. So that person needs that person more. It's not about being in a better situation to be able to kind of somehow patronisingly help other people that don't get to be like you. It's not about that. Um, I hope this is coming across right, but actually we all need each other. Whatever our situations are at home, whether we live alone, whether we live in a huge family, whether we're married, whether we're single, whether we're retired, whether we're at school, we all need each other. Um, Last week we ran into a young lady that we've known from... Favisham, um, she now goes to church in Norwich, and we saw her across the um, across the hall there. Went over and said hello, and then there was a, a couple with her that were. We said, "Oh, how do you two know each other?" And this lady just poured her heart out. And um, Adam has quite a way of um, making people feel very comfortable and, get, and getting to know people really, really well. And she just opened up, um, particularly to him. This this lady who was, I would. She had children the same age as the twenty-year-old lady, so just guess her age won't name it but she was saying I, I just wanted to befriend her because you know she's a young lady in the church and she obviously doesn't know many people here yet and I wanted to get alongside her and we're like oh that's really lovely but then she said uh, my son's moved away I really miss him um, the church where he's going haven't wrapped around him and he's really struggling in his faith because he feels really lonely and she needed that young lady to be in her life as much as the young lady needed her to wrap around her so it's not like a charity case if you're not married or it's not a charity case if you're even by yourself later in life. Um, we all need each other. Um, perhaps it's just about inviting people around to have dinner together and being part of a family meal. If you're not in a, a, a... Your house isn't set up with lots of other people to have that kind of family vibe and, and your house is, maybe get that person around for dinner. Invite them on holiday, invite them to birthday parties, make them part of your family. Um, Parents of young children might need help sometimes (laughs) looking after their children. (laughs) And I have so many testimonies of people in this room that have just seen that need and met it without me even having to ask. Um, And that's just been so encouraging for me. I've experienced that. I think when Esther was a baby, um, Teresa particularly had like a really good bond with her where she'd just cuddle her and be able to settle her so I could just spend some time worshipping God without having a dead arm. And I really appreciated that. Um, and so it's not about that person's got it all together, so let's help that person catch up with me. It's we're family. We all need each other for different reasons. Um, it shouldn't be strained, not contrived, like I've said it before. It's not a Christian box to tick. Oh, I've prayed today. I've read my Bible. Um, I went to a meeting. Oh, hospitality. Uh, let's get that person around for dinner. Tick, done. It's part of our culture and our DNA as Christians. Maybe come over and watch um, the football and have a pizza. Maybe, oh, we're heading to the beach, let's all go together. It's a beautiful day, let's head down to the beach. Oh, here's a key, pop in whenever you like, because you, you and the kids have got such a great relationship, pop in on your way home, have half an hour playing with them before bedtime. Natural, in each other's lives. Sharing what we have with each other. Sharing our time, giving each other food, shelter, not holding what we have really, really tightly. Um, so one of our values as a church as well is 
about living in tents, not castles. Um, what we have isn't permanent. It's not really ours anyway. Uh, we're passing through. So let's share it with each other. Um, you've heard probably the saying about uh, an Englishman's home is his castle, and this is something I have plagiarised. Natalie and Adam don't call me out, I'll just call myself out. Um, so Englishman's home is his castle, but I think sometimes that gets extended into an Englishman's family is his castle. And we kind of sometimes slip into that, I slip into that. Um, I've got my family, I've got my unit, I've got my castle. Pull up the drawbridge, I've got my moat, I'm going to focus on these people, I'm going to keep them safe, I'm going to do what I can to look after my family. And that becomes our castle. But actually, that's not the biblical model, that excludes people. That's not the family that God has set us in. Um, let's put down the drawbridge and be open and have a life that is interwoven with each other's. We can do that through households. We can do it through running partners. Um, it's been a real blessing recently. Um, the experiences that I've had of those two things. So uh, Danielle and some others have come around for households and just um, just been there uh, in the evening and then... Thursday night is we had our second time the three of us, didn't we? Um, of just sharing what's going on in our lives, praying with each other. My life's carrying on. It's not like an add-on, bolt-on. I'm still living life, wasn't I? Still having to do what I, I normally have to do in an evening. Sometimes in terms of my job, and um, those ladies were involved in that for me. I didn't put on a show and pretend to be somebody else for that hour and a half that we were together. We had to we we being real with each other. Um, so when we're talking about hospitality as well, we're not talking about having like a church come dine with me or uh, four in a bed. You know those shows where then we rate each other. And go, oh, let's get the best like tablecloth out. Like how? What we're going to cook? It's not about that. It's just about letting people see the real you and being the real deal with each other. And we can really bless people without even realising it, I think. And um, I meant to run this past you, but I'm sure we won't mind me sharing. Um, so Danielle's come round for households a couple of times, and it's worked out that I've picked her up on the way through, which has meant she's been there before households have started. The girls are still up. Maybe there's bedtime still to be done. There's, like, the normal family life still to happen. And um, there was a partner that's like, oh, it's not going to be... Like nice and tidy, and like present, and come round, have a cup of tea, like if all the snacks are on a plate, and like enjoy households together. Like as you're going to come round, and the toys are everywhere, and the girls are like end of the day, covered in pen, hair everywhere, really tired, bit bit grotty probably before bedtime. We've had to leave Danielle on her own downstairs with a cup of tea while we go off and tuck them up into bed and things like that. And I'm like, oh, like how's this going to go? Like is she going to feel uncomfortable? Um, is this going to be awkward? And then. It was actually the opposite. So Danielle really uh, encouraged me by saying how she'd enjoyed those times of just seeing our family um, as like with no with no um, airs and graces, with no polished finishes, no tablecloth, uh, no scores at the end of it. But just she was just there, and we were living life, and, and that was an encouragement to her. And her sharing that was a huge encouragement to me. I thought, thank you, God. Like that's 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 it. Um, that's hospitality, not three-course meal every Friday night with, you know, whoever, whoever's interesting to have some... You know that thing people say, well, like, if you had a dinner party, like, what, who would your three most interesting guests be? And it's like a, an icebreaker question that sometimes... It's not that. It's not like, oh, who's the three most interesting people in the church that I want around for dinner that we can, like, get in with? And it's, it's not that. It's, um, 
Oh, I'll pick you up on the way through because that saves a lot of time. And sorry we've got to do the girls' bedtime, but we'll log on after and here's an open packet of biscuits. Do you want one? <laughs> and that's life. And that's, that's what hospitality is. I think it's breaking down that like, pressure that we put on ourselves to be... I don't know what we've made it, but I think we've made it something that it's not. Um, and it's about valuing all people as well, valuing all the situations of life that we're in, valuing all the gifts that we've got. So um, valuing the, the gift of children and being able to have as many of you involved in their life as possible is, like, makes me really emotional how wonderful that is um, for them to have a wider family of Christians. Um, we want to celebrate that. We want to celebrate people that are single because that's a great gift. Jesus never got married. Jesus didn't have kids, nor did Paul. Um, it's a pretty great place to be. It's a great lifestyle to have. And we want to embrace that and not patronise or somehow think, oh, well, we'd better look after the people that need looking after. We all need looking after. And we should celebrate all the gifts that we have and all the roles that we play in the family of the church. Um, I've been reading a really good book at the moment that Gordon has lent me that was recommended on leave called The Elimination of Hurry. And it might seem a bit like, well, how is this related? But it is, um, because the book talks about how to stop being in a rush. And um, if anyone knows me, I lived even before, I can't blame marriage and children, I can't blame anything. It's just who I am. I'm like a bit of a whirlwind. Um, and I lodged with a friend for a while, about 10 years ago. Um, I'd come home from work and then I'd pack my bag and I'd go out to this class and then I'd do that and just see this person and that's just like how I'm wired. I'm quite... And Adam says to me, so I'm just sit down. I'm like, no, I can't sit down because the washing's not hung out and da, 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 and I just have to do everything and be everywhere. And, um, and actually, I'm getting to a point where I'm realising that that's not of God. That's something that's quite detrimental to me as a person. It's something that hinders me in my relationships with my family. It's something that causes me to get stressed and panic. <laughs> I was, um, that's all right to say, I went along to the trustees meeting a couple of weeks ago. I was so confident because I'd got home in time, we'd cooked dinner, the girls had eaten, me and Adam were eating, it was like five to seven, I was like smashing it, I've got like 20 minutes before I need to leave, I'm going to eat my dinner and I'm not in a hurry and I can put them to bed and then, and then I can go and great, great. And then I got the phone call from Chris who I was picking up on the way, she's like, are you still coming? I'm like, yeah, yeah, see you in And it starts at seven. <laughs> so then my like pedestal of like winning at life Suddenly, I was then like, I'm failing at everything. I said, I fail at everything. And I got really annoyed at myself for being, for getting the time wrong. Because I've got this idea that if I'm not, if everything's not neat and tidy and perfect, that I've failed. Um, and I think that comes through in like, for me, and maybe this, I wasn't planning to share this personal, this much personal information, but I'm going with it, I don't mind. Maybe it will encourage other people as well. Because I think, when we let down, when we let go of those things. Um, so our house at the moment is an absolute tip. And I'm all right. I left home and it was an absolute tip. And we got to church on time today. Because <laughs> I wasn't thinking, I can't go because that flannel needs hanging up because it's going to stink when I get home. And there's a pile of washing still there. And um, the banana skins from the girls' breakfast are still on the table. I'm exaggerating. No, I don't know if I am or not. I don't know because I didn't care about it this morning because I decided... That it doesn't matter. I don't need to hurry. I don't need to put on a show. 
I don't even know who I was putting on a show for because we're going to Gordon and Natalie's after church. None of you are coming to ours anyway. But do you know what? One day I'll let you all come around to my house when it's really messy and that will be a massive step forward for me. <laughs> I'm still, I'm, I'm going a bit like, why have I just said that? But that's part of genuine hospitality, genuine life together. Um, how would Jesus have spent his time? Would he have been in a hurry? No. There's nothing ever in the Bible that tells us that Jesus rushed here. He got that done, he got that done. He um, ticked that box, helped that person, off he went. Da, da, da. In fact, he tried a few times to get some things done and he got interrupted. He didn't get stressed. He didn't then go, no, sorry, wait, doing something else. So I'm thinking of the time when um, he is uh, approached by Jairus, the, whose daughter is very unwell. Jairus is desperate matter of life and death, his daughter's about to die, his young daughter, and he says, come, come, he says, okay, I'll come, and he's walking, and then another lady who needs his help grasps out to, to touch the hem of his cloak, um, and actually she was, she was healed at that moment, because he says, I felt the power go, someone touched me, I felt the power go out for me, she was healed in that moment, could have carried on, job done, she's healed, let's go, next person, he didn't, he stopped, he said, who was that? He spoke to her. He gave her time. He gave her attention. He met her need. He made her feel valued because he didn't rush off. Jairus needed him too. Jairus is panicking. Jesus isn't panicking. That person needed me. The end of the story is that um, although Jesus got there after the girl had died, he raised her back to life again and she was also restored. Jesus didn't need to hurry. We don't need to hurry here, there, do this, do that, cook that dinner, get that person around, tick, tick, tick the boxes. Let's just slow down, turn the phones off, um, and enjoy the life of being family together without airs and graces, without points to win, scores to check off. Um, Jesus didn't have a home. Uh, He says in Matthew 8, verse 20, that the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Obviously, he grew up in a house. We don't know much about um, his early life at all, but we know that he was a carpenter, he was a tradesman, and he lived in Nazareth. So we assume he had, you know, he didn't live on the streets. He had a, a house to live in that he grew up in. But when he started his ministry, he didn't go home at the end of it. He didn't have a house to share. He didn't have possessions in the way that we have. Um, but if we think about what Jesus would have done with those, if he did have them, it's another challenge to us. Um, he doesn't. He wouldn't have said, "Oh no, I need to um, go home and tidy the house up because it's annoying me that it's untidy." <laughs> he wouldn't have said, "Oh no, can't give to that that person in need because um, we've got a fence to repair." I think he probably would have met people's needs with everything he had. If he had the possessions that we we all have he would have used them in a way that was very, very challenging to me. Um, I've seen some really amazing examples of people that I know that have displayed this kind of hospitality in really inspiring ways. Um, So as we come into a close, I'd like to share a few of those stories with you. Um, So I know of a couple who bought a house that was way too big for what they needed with the complete intention that they did put into practice to house people and to give them 
family, to give them a home, to help them in times of need. Different some some people that were facing mental health crisis, crises, um, some people it was a financial thing, and some people it was yeah, like a like a, just a social thing that had gone on that meant they didn't have anywhere to live, and they they housed them. They gave them they gave them a room in their house for months and years on end. Um, it's hospitality. Um, I know other people that have sold everything in order to move. We, we know other people. I don't know them personally. I'd love to meet them one day. Um, but I'm thinking of um, the family in Bolivia who sold everything. I think there's a video of them in their empty house. Like, Everything's gone. Not a chair or a table or anything inside. A plate or a mug or anything. Even your favourite mug. Gone. So they could go to Bolivia and serve a community there. Um, I know other people who have chosen to live quite a simple life in comparison to their peers. So um, I know these people very well and they get teased for driving a beat-up old car and living in a kind of two-up, two-down house and really they could afford to live um, more comfortably or drive a nicer car but they've chosen to live a simple life so that they had money left to give to projects abroad, to travel to those projects abroad frequently um, and to have relationship with their family that are the other side of the world. Um, and they make the joke that whenever they go, they're going to their third home because heaven's their first home. They've got a second home here in the UK and they love going to their third home, which is um, the other side of the world. And that's hospitality. When they're here in, in the UK, they open up their home, they've invited um, people who are um, not in their in their home nation who have maybe been by themselves for Christmas, come round and shared family Christmas. Made it a little bit awkward for their teenage daughters because there's a random single bloke that doesn't talk much English in the house on Christmas Day, but great, that's family. Um, and then I was talking to somebody as well who remembers as a teenager going on big family holidays. So it, again, it wasn't their protected little family unit. There's nothing wrong with going on holiday just with your family unit and actually there's probably times where that's exactly the right thing to do for, for your marriage and your relationship with your children if that's the situation that you're in. But this girl talks about when she was a teenager, they went and they had other people come on holiday with them and she said it was amazing because I had like a big sister on holiday with me. So there was um, a, a, Christian, a, a single Christian lady in her 20s that went on holiday with this family with teenage kids and it meant the world to her because maybe she didn't want to talk to mum and dad about everything but there was a big sister on holiday with them too and that would have blessed the other um, person in that equation who's then on holiday with the family and having this wonderful experience and making these memories as family. Um, so they're just a few examples of things that I've heard of, seen, um, been challenged and encouraged by um, and as we uh, finish this time together um, we often have discussions um, but today I'd like to do something a little bit different and ask you to have a bit of personal reflection so if you're on a table and you, you can do it without getting distracted by each other that's absolutely fine but we have got lots of space if you wanted to spread out and just have a couple of minutes and like five minutes or so um, where you are just listening to what God wants to say to you about hospitality in your life you may or may not own a home. You may or may not be able to do some of the things we've talked about. But what's God saying to you about being hospitable? Is it about you saying, can I come over? Can I spend time with you? Can I give you my, my attention and my, um, my time? Is, is God challenging you to invite someone on holiday with you? Is God saying to you, 
you can probably downsize so you've got some more money spare. It's God saying to you, upsize so that somebody else can live with you. I don't know. But maybe um, there might be small things, there might be huge life-changing things, but let's give um, God this time to speak to us personally and individually about what he wants us to do um, in terms of being hospitable and meet each other's needs in a really true and genuine way that honours him. Um, Have we got like a little song we could play in the background? Is that alright? We'll have some music playing so um, you can just, yeah, have that as like background. Um, But really try and focus um, your attention. And if you would like to write something down and you haven't got a pen and paper, we can help. You might get a felt tip pen and the back of a colouring bit of paper, but that's fine. Um, So if you want something to write down on, we'll grab that. Cool. I'll just pray to to, um, start that time off. So thank you, God, um, that you've demonstrated how to live. Um, That Jesus, when you lived your life, you gave us something to copy the spiritual disciplines the ways of Jesus are things that can influence how we live our lives slowing down taking time for one another spending time for one another sharing what we have with each other thank you God for Christian brothers and sisters who've demonstrated this so beautifully and help us God to be inspired and challenged by them Holy Spirit, would you reveal things to us that we can, we can change, we can take action, and we can respond to what you're calling us to do with what you've given us, with the temporary things that we have, and the, um, the way that we, as we pass through this world, that you would help us, God, to do that with open, hospitable hearts. Amen.